Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because He loves you so much. So we, uh, we want to honor those, uh, of course, who are, have served in our uh, military here uh, that are with us right now, and we honor you. You deserve honor, and we thank you. But we also really want to remind you that uh, on Monday, if you have the day off or as you celebrate this holiday, to remember what we're doing and why we have this day off and, and what this is about. And we are especially honoring those who gave the ultimate sacrifice, who died so that we can be free. And uh, so we honor them. Uh, we are thankful for their service. Uh, we are thankful for uh, your service if uh, you've served in the military too, any, any of the branches. So thank you so much for that. But don't forget what uh, this weekend is. Just take a moment and uh, praise God for the freedom that we have and the sacrifices that were made for it. So um, we've got a series coming up here in uh, just a little while that I actually need your help with. And uh, Scripture says that we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And so we've got a, the series after this series where we need your testimonies. And so uh, what I'm going to ask is uh, that if you wouldn't mind, uh, now understand if you give it to us, we're going to use it. I mean, not for sure, but we might use it in the sermon. And um, we need uh, to hear your stories of what God has done. So we want to ask all of you uh, to share, how did you come to Jesus? And if it was like, well, I came to Jesus when I was two, or I came to Jesus, you know, through this crazy circumstance when I was 22, it, it really, we want your story. And so John will tell you a little bit about uh, how you can get that to us. Go ahead and play that for us. Hey, church family, we're excited to begin a brand new series in a few weeks, and uh, we would love to hear your story. We would love to hear your testimony, um, how uh, you met Jesus, how you came to church, how God changed your life. And you know what? In a church our size, uh, we know there's incredible stories, powerful stories of how uh, of how God like radically changed you. Um, and we would love to hear how God is writing your life at the moment. So all you have to do, if you don't mind, uh, you just have to grab your phone and record your testimony on landscape mode, just like this, not like that, like this. If you have an iPhone, you get bonus points. If you have an Android, we're gonna be praying for you. Uh, and all you have to do, just grab your phone. Uh, you can do it on the couch, you can do it in your car, just don't drive. Once you're done recording it, come to church, find one of our production team members, and uh, we're going to help you get it off your phone. We're excited to hear what God has done in your life, and we know your story, your testimony is going to bless others, and it's going to be powerful. All right, so we want simple ones, we want dramatic ones, we just want to hear your story. And the one thing I'd ask is that you make it two minutes or less. If it's like a 20-minute testimony, we're probably not going to show it, okay? Uh, we got to make sure it fits in with what we're doing. But it, we'll be playing those over the week, encouraging you with what God has done and how He's changed your lives uh, throughout the years. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So um, years ago, there was this uh, a game, uh, the McDonald's Monopoly. You guys ever play that? So it was around for a long time. And, you know, you take these little things off your fries and you would try to build uh, you know, get boardwalk and everything else. And anybody here win big at the? Nobody, huh? No, me either. 
So uh, I think I got some fries and uh, maybe uh, an ice cream cone or like upsize my Coke or something like that. But let me tell you one of the reasons that you never won big. And it's this guy right here. If you show him, his name's Jerome Jacobson. And uh, his job actually, he was hired to make those little tickets for McDonald's. And what he would do is uh, when he would see a winner, he would pull it off, kind of keep it to himself and he would give it to a friend. And then that friend would win and then they would split the money. And so uh, he got this scheme going where there was um, people all over the nation. He was giving, you know, he had like acquaintances. He was starting to do this. He got a little greedy and he actually brought in $24 million through McDonald's. So that's, um, that's why you never won is because I, I took it all. And so there's other schemes. One of my favorite schemes, well, I mean, it's not good, but it's just it's so interesting. This uh, woman by the name of Barbara Lichtenstein, and it was in the 1700s. And uh, she would go to uh, these fancy hotels all dressed up, and she had this big trunk with her. And in the trunk, she would take it into the hotel. She'd say, now this is, I have the most valuable possessions in my life in this trunk. Uh, they're, they're so important to me. Uh, this has to be secured and it has to be guarded and you need to just take care of my trunk. And so she would turn it in and then they would take that trunk and they would put it in like a secure room and they, they put it in with all the other valuables. Well, then during the night, there's a little kid in the trunk and he would come out and he would clean up everything in the room and then they would run off into the night. And so she did this scheme uh, with him for years, and uh, then she finally got caught. And so uh, it's amazing how it takes us a little while. I mean, these schemes come. People think up these things, and it takes a while to figure out what's going on. For example, how long did it take you to stop answering calls that you didn't recognize that were from places that maybe you should know someone? You know, like, oh, Glenwood Springs, that seems like I should know somebody there. Carbondale, that's close enough to us, right? And then you answered it a few times, and now you realize it's going to be a salesman or a saleswoman, right? I'm not going to pick that thing up. And it took you a little while to kind of figure out that scheme. Now, most schemes, not all of them, but most of them, you need to play along at some level for them to work, right? So, so you need to uh, click on it, just click on it. Or maybe just share your password or maybe send a payment. You know, you do something to kind of help the scheme along. And uh, I've been studying. Uh, now, you don't want to spend too much time focusing on Satan, but I've been studying and looking at his schemes uh, because I wanted in this series of Stand, Fight, Win, I wanted to make sure that we understood what he does and the schemes that he brings. And I don't want you just to survive. I don't want you to just kind of hang in there. I want you to stand. I want you to fight. And I want you to win. And so we're going to look at the tools that we need. And so let's look at 2 Corinthians 2, verse 10, just really quick. And we're going to jump into actually uh, one of the prophets in a, in a minute here. And so what's going on in Corinth is uh, uh, there's some uh, fighting and accusations and Paul's trying to clean everything up. And in verse 10, he says, if you forgive anyone, I also forgive them. And what I've forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order, catch it here, that Satan might not outwit us for we are not unaware of his schemes. Now, Satan's been doing the same old thing for years and years and years. And for many of us, it has worked, hasn't it? We keep falling into his traps. And most of Satan's schemes require for you to play along. And so I, I just went through and I listed what I think are the major schemes of Satan that you can find in Scripture. So if you bring that slide up there, 
And I think it's really, really interesting. As you look at this, you see that in Ephesians 6, there's a corresponding part of the armor of God for each scheme that the enemy brings us in. I I didn't know this as I was going, but as I kind of thought about it and looked, I was like, wow, look at God actually gives us protection for each of these schemes. So for example, Satan, one of his big things is lies, right? He comes at us with lies. Well, God has given us what? The belt of truth to come against those lies, to stand against them. He comes, and we're going to be talking about this today, accusations. And so God has given us the helmet of salvation to help us fight those accusations that Satan brings. He comes against us with fear, but God has given us the shield of faith. Temptation, of course, is one of his big things, but we have the breastplate of righteousness to protect us in the midst of it. Apathy, giving up, uh, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, and he has given us the boots of the gospel, the readiness of the gospel to fight against that. And then just his tacks and fiery arrows come, and we have the sword of the Spirit to move forward in advance against them. So it's amazing how God, he doesn't leave us defenseless. Now, I want you to understand that Satan is not a metaphor. Okay? It's not just an idea. That's an interesting thing going on around right now. And Satan was a created being, and that he was actually uh, an angel. His name was Lucifer, and he rebelled against God. And Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Jesus saw it happen. He was there when this fallen angel and a third of the angels were thrown out of heaven. And now he is bent and twisted on doing anything he can to take glory away from God and to hurt the ones that God loves, which is you and I. In fact, let me show you his uh, end goal. And so 2 Corinthians, again, verse 11, excuse me, chapter 11, verse 3. And Paul tells us, I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds, now here's what he's trying to do, your minds may somehow be led astray from what? From your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So that's what the enemy is trying to do, is to lead you astray from your pure and sincere devotion to Christ. So it would be good. He would be happy if he can get you just distracted, get you a little less devoted and a little less sincere. And it would be better if he could get you to sin, right? If he could just trick you into sinning and you went along with the scheme, that would be even better for him. But the best for him would be for you to be led astray. And often it comes through sin, built upon sin, upon sin. And then we find where on earth, how did we get to where we are right now? We are led astray. And that is his ultimate goal, is to lead you astray from sincere and pure devotion to Jesus. So we're going to look at this uh, one of these things that he's doing, one of the tools that he's using to lead you astray, which is accusation. One of his big schemes that comes against us as followers of Christ. And I found a little video here that I think is almost a perfect picture of how Satan does it. And so this is actually from The Lion King. And so a little Simba, uh, his dad, Mufasa, just dies. He got trampled by all these wildebeests, and Scar sets it up to kind of make it look like Simba did it. And he was involved in a a way, but it was really Scar pushing the whole thing, and he he brings Simba into this thing. And so here Simba is thinking that he had something to do with the death of his dad. And it's just like, ah, just watch what Scar does. Go ahead and bring it forward. He tried to save me. It was an accident. I didn't mean for it to happen. Of course, of course you didn't. No one ever means for these things to happen. But the king is dead. 
And if it weren't for you, you'd still be alive. your mother think what am i gonna do run away sim run run away and never return does that just make you mad I get, uh, because you know what that's exactly what satan does to you it's like he brings you into this thing you know come on do it do it what have you done you know he sets these things up and he says, now run, run away and hide. Never come back. Go into hiding for what you have done. That's the enemy. That is not the Lord. I want to show you how he accuses us. He is the accuser of the brethren, right? That's what Revelation tells us. Now, if you open your Bible to the prophet Zechariah, we're going to, this is our primary passage that we're going to uh, be looking at today. This is an amazing, amazing passage. And we're going to look at Zechariah 3.1. Now, a little context here. Israel is coming out of captivity from Babylon and they're, they're building their homes, they're building the wall, they're building the temple, and God is uh, speaking to them, encouraging them on with the prophet Zechariah here. And we learn about the priesthood, we learn about Joshua, who's the high priest at the time, what God has to say to him. So now if you go to chapter 3, verse 1, we're just going to look at this first verse here, and it says, then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and check it out, and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. He is the accuser. That's what Satan does. We see it in Job. We, we see it in Revelation that he's coming to always point at how you have failed. And here's the problem. If you look at verse 3, he's got plenty of material to use. Skip down to verse 3. It says, now Joshua, this is the priest, was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. See, there's all sorts of sin, and he's just unclean. Now, I need a little help from four kids or so. Do I have any volunteers who could come up? It involves silly strings. So there's one right there. There's another one, two. Anybody else? Yeah, I see your hand right there, yeah? Three. You right in the back, standing up. Come on. Come on up. All right, come on up here. I need you guys to come right here. And uh, go ahead and take the lids off there. Shake these up. All right. There's a little cap on there. Now just kind of stand right there. All right. So now this is what I want you guys all just to come right here if you would. And so, now, here's the thing, is I got this nice, white, clean shirt. And this is how we start, right? And so we begin, and you know, one of my problems, are you guys ready to shoot me with silly string? Okay, all right. You seem really excited. Okay. Now, um, one, of, one of the things here is, um, I often, like, I get in trouble often because I'm trying to be funny, right? And, uh, you know, I'm trying to make somebody laugh. And that's actually when I sin in the middle of it. So guys, just kind of let me have it right now with silly string right now. That's okay. All over. Go ahead. Now, you know what? Shoot them a little bit because my sin gets on them. Go ahead. Shoot out that way. Out that way. Shoot out there. There we go. All right. So then, so then that happens. And then thanks guys. You can just uh, drop those cans right down there. And so then afterwards, yeah, you keep it if you want. So then here's the way, you don't have to leave yet. I need your help. There's some more things. So then sometimes also like this, see this mud right here? What happens is like um, I'll have dirty thoughts or I'll say dirty words. And um, in fact, you know, I just get kind of dirt all over myself, right? Would you guys put a little, anybody want to put some on my back there? So yeah, just put some dirt there. And so I, I do these things and I just get mud everywhere and look at my shirt. It's, whoa, 
All right, good. Okay, now I need one more thing. Thank you for the mud. Here's some wipes, guys, if you want to clean your hands off. And then sometimes, would anyone like to put ketchup on me? Okay, come on over here. So now, so you could just do it kind of right here. So another thing is like I hurt, come on over here. I hurt, watch out for that mud there. I, I hurt other people, right? And so then I come and then go ahead. Just, yep. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so that gets all over me too. And thank you very much. Okay, guys, let's give them a hand. Thank them for their work. So this is where we stand. And this is where we are. Before God, just a mess. With mud, stains, silly string, all these problems from what we have done. And we stand before God like Joshua. And we look at him and we look at ourselves. And we were white and we were clean. And God had good intentions for us. And we have to just look before God with our heads down. Like, what are we going to do? Like, yeah, you're right. I'm dirty. I'm unclean. There's nothing that I can do right here. But let's, let's look at this at verse 2 here, chapter 3. It says, this is so good. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick that I have snatched from the fire. Anyone here carry guilt ever? You know, and, and, and we say, well, uh, I'll be better. And it doesn't fix it, does it? Those things that you've done, like I'm not going to do that again. It doesn't take care of that thing. Well, I'll try harder. And I try harder. It doesn't work, does it? So we come down and our eyes are just on the Lord rebuke you. And I read that passage about a stick snatched from the fire. And I got to tell you, well, the first time that I really kind of caught onto that, I just started weeping because I was like, that's me. That's me. I mean, I was burning. I, was, I deserved hell. That's where I was heading. And I don't know why, but for some reason, God in his grace, he comes down and, and he picks that stick out and he snatches me from the fire and he makes something beautiful and amazing, plucked out of the fire by grace of God, deserving to be consumed, but saved by his grace and his goodness. And now look at here in verse 3. It says, now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes. He stood before the angel, and the angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, see, I have taken away your sin, and I will put rich garments on you. Sorry about that. It worked better than that. He takes away our dirty clothes, and he comes and he puts a new garment on us. And he makes us clean. And he makes us whole. And he says, this is my son who I love. And he's for us. And he's with us. And all the sin is gone. All the accusation is gone. And here is the answer to what Satan brings against us. Is he makes us new. And he makes us whole. And he makes us white again. Isn't that a beautiful, amazing thing? This is where we stand. And when the accusations come, we say, the Lord rebuke you, because his mercies are new every single morning. And we are now a new creation in Christ. And we now, every day, all the time, stand clean before him. Not because we figured it out, but because Jesus came and rescued us, and he plucked us from the fire. And I want to encourage you to put on 
the helmet of salvation that it talks about in Ephesians 6. Now, how does salvation help us in the middle of this battle? And why is it a helmet? And the thing is, is that in this battle of accusation, the place that you have to start in your thoughts and the way that you look at your life, it has to start with the understanding of your salvation in Jesus Christ. That is the starting point. That is the strength. You have to get a hold of that. For The starting point for every single thought that you have about your past right now comes from your salvation, which is, I am saved. I am clean. I am new, and I am whole. And so when your past comes against you, you put on the helmet of salvation, and you remember, no, 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 I am saved. I am clean, I am new, and I am whole. And it is the starting point for every accusation and every thought that you have right now about who you are right now. And you put on that helmet of salvation, and whatever thought comes against you right now, I am saved, I am clean, I am new, and I am whole. And it is the starting point for your future. And as you think about where you're going to be and who you are tomorrow, and if there's any hope for you, you don't know, no, I am saved, I am clean, I am new, I'm whole. What a beautiful thing Jesus has done for us. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. You are white, you are clean, you are new, you are whole. Now look, look, it even gets better. Let's look at this. Verse 6, it says, And the angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in my ways and keep my requirements, then you will govern my house and have charge of my courts, and I will give you a place among these standing here. Do you get that? A place among these standing here. That we have a place in the courts of heaven where we can stand. And we get to just be there before the throne of God with no fear, no condemnation, no accusation. And in addition to that, we don't just sit there and kind of slump in our dirty clothes like, oh, there's nothing we have to do. We actually get to govern his house. We, we get to come and take charge of his courts, which means that he gives you power, that you bring the kingdom of God wherever you go. He's saying, now, not only are you clean or whole, but you are my emissary who's going to bring light and cleanness and wholeness wherever you go now. What a beautiful thing. See, we stand and we fight, but listen, we win. Church, we win because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And if you're agreeing with the guilt, and if you're agreeing with the self-hate, and if you're agreeing with the shame, listen, you are losing the fight. Now, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't mean that we do whatever we want, right? He says, if you will fulfill my requirements, keep my requirements, if you do it my way, this is what I'm going to pour out on you. And we still experience conviction. I mean, that's what the Holy Spirit does, right? One of the things the Holy Spirit does is convicts us of sin, convicts the world of sin. But I want you to understand there's a difference between conviction and accusation. And I think, listen, we want conviction. I'll tell you, we want conviction from God. But accusation works very, very differently. So here's the first thing about conviction. Is the Holy Spirit, he will help you recognize your sin. He's not going to say, oh, it's no big deal. The Holy Spirit, he, he treats sin seriously. And he'll show you, listen, that is wrong. There is wrong and there is right. But the accuser doesn't just help you recognize it. He reminds you of it. See, the accuser says, what did you do? Remember, remember, remember? The Holy Spirit says, hey, look, open your eyes. I just want you to see where you're heading right now. And you know what? It is a holy, beautiful, 
wonderful thing to realize that you are wrong. This just happened to me in a real clear way with Nye. I got her permission to share this with you. And so we had, um, we don't very often have this, so we had a few hundred dollar bills sitting on uh, our counter that I was going to take in uh, to the bank. And I went to take it to the bank, and it was closed, it didn't work, so it was back on my counter. And so then uh, one day, Naya, I'm sitting on the, the chair, and Naya comes over, and she grabs one, and she starts going, Ee-hoo. and then she like pretends to put it in her pocket, and she's dancing around with her little the $100 bill, and she's like, this is mine now. And I'm like, ha, ha, ha. And then, so then she takes the uh, uh, $100 bill and uh, puts it back and, and then um, leaves. And so the next day, I'm going to the bank, and I look at the $100 bill, and guess what? One's missing. So I was like, Naya, now I don't think she stole it. I know she would never do that. But I think she stuck it in her pocket or did something with it, you know? So I was like, Naya, where's the $100 bill? She said, Dad, I put it back on the table. I was like, Naya, come on. I mean, nobody else touched them. Where is the $100 bill? I don't know. Well, go check your pocket. She checks her pocket. Uh, it's not there. Go check your room. It's not in my room. I was like, hey, you're responsible for this. What you you're gonna have, what are you gonna do about this, Naya? And she's like, I don't know, Dad. I, I didn't know. And she comes back and you know, she has her little jar of savings. She's like, here, take this. And, and you know, and so, all right, so I'm like, Naya, you gotta deal with this. You know, you gotta find this thing. And then it occurs to me, right when I say that, I should go check my truck. And so I go out into my truck and I look in the console, and guess what I find? Hundred dollar bill. Now, I have, there's nothing I can do except go humbly before my daughter and say, I am so sorry. Naya, would you please forgive me? And she said, sure, Dad. And that was it. See, now it's good to know that you're wrong, right? Because what does the enemy do? The enemy comes and says, this is who you are. The, the enemy says, now you've ruined your daughter forever. Anytime she gets falsely accused and her whole life is going to be crumbled and it's going to fall apart, you know, you broke her. That, that's what the enemy is going to tell you. But the Holy Spirit says, no, see, there's a way forward. Repent. Humble yourself before her. And I can even, even if you do that, even this I can use, I can make something good out of this wrong that you've done. And when you reflect on, on your sin by the Holy Spirit, actually, you know what comes out afterwards is gratitude. Now, it's not fun at the beginning. I didn't enjoy repenting to my daughter. I didn't like being wrong. But when it's over, it's like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for grace. Thank you for her forgiveness. When the enemy brings it, there's panic, there's weight, there's shame, there's embarrassment. There's no way to go forward, which is the next thing I want to show you. See, when it comes from the Holy Spirit, there is a better future. When it comes from Satan, there is an insurmountable past. Huge difference between conviction and accusation. The Holy Spirit says, now let's deal with this. Let's go forward. Satan says, you're stuck. You know, the, the council culture that we have right now, I think it's demonic. I think, that, I think it is breathed by Satan. That's what he does. He says, 20 years ago, you did this. Therefore, you have no voice. Therefore, you must just you must sit out. God never says you must sit out. Now, sometimes we need to take a break. There's no doubt about that. Get things cleaned up. Get our heads straight again. But there's always a hope and a future. There's a call on you that's irrevocable. And God puts that call, and even in the midst, I mean, isn't it beautiful when we see someone restored and coming back into that call that God has given them? I've got a great friend in uh, Grand Junction who's a pastor, and, and, and he fell in sin years ago, and God has restored him, and he has a powerful ministry. 
I just love watching it do it. That's what God does is he builds people back together. And Satan says, sit in it, resign to it. That's all you'll ever be. Holy Spirit says, leave it, become new. He even says, use it. Wherever you are, whatever you do, let's move out of it. Let's move forward. The Apostle Paul in Philippians, I've, I've preached on this before. I love this passage, but it's been a little while. And, and so now remember here, Paul, let's think about his past. What has he done? So he's persecuted Christians. He was there when Stephen was stoned to death. So here's a guy who's put Christians in jail. Here's a guy who's probably killed Christians. And this is what he says in Philippians 3.13. He says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, can you imagine Paul sitting in church when he first comes to God? There's a guy over here who's like, hey, that's the guy who put Uncle Fred in prison. Wasn't he there when my dad was killed for his faith? Now, I'm sure he had some apologies to make, right? I'm sure there's some reconciliation that had to happen in the midst of it. But what does Paul say about that past? Press forward. Take hold of that which Christ has taken hold of me. See, I don't know what you've done, but if Paul can do that, seriously, certainly, you can go forward. And here's the next thing. See, the Holy Spirit tells us that, that it is paid in full. It is paid in full. The accuser says it's impossible to fix. Nothing you can do about it. Let's go here to uh, Zechariah again in our passage. We'll just keep going on here. In verse 8, he says, Listen, O high priest, Joshua and your associates seated before you who are men symbolic of things to come. See, symbolic of things to come, that's important. And it's interesting to me that his name is Joshua, which in Hebrew you pronounce as Yeshua, which in Greek is Jesus. So now this isn't Jesus, but he's pointing to Jesus. He's reminding us of what Jesus has done. Who are men symbolic of things to come. I am going to bring my servant the branch. That's Jesus. I'm going to bring Jesus to deal with these things. See, the stone I have set in front of Joshua, there are seven eyes on that stone. And that just means that it sees everywhere. It sees everything. That Jesus sees it all. He knows it all. And on that one stone, I will engrave an inscription on it and says, the Lord Almighty, and I will remove, this is so good, the sins of this land in a single day. Isn't it amazing what Jesus did on the cross? In one day. In that day, each of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and fig tree, declares the Lord Almighty. That sin is removed in one day by the branch. Joshua means he saves. He came to save us. Jesus, he saves. And so we acknowledge our sin and we repent and we leave it behind and we go forward. And you understand that that is to agree with God. And to wallow in the accusation and to remain in guilt and self-hate and condemnation is to agree with Satan. Who do you want to agree with? Who would you rather listen to? The spiritual battle here. Stand. Fight. Win. He is coming against you all the time. He's been unleashed in our culture moving all over the place, and it is time for you to stand and time to fight. And listen, you will win. So I've got four steps for you if you're dealing 
with accusation if you're dealing with guilt, really simple. The first thing is stand against it, which simply means this, repent. Stop it. I'm not going to live according to that anymore. I'm going to bring that to God. I'm, I'm, I'm not agreeing with that sin in my life anymore. I'm new. I'm made new. So I'm going to stand against it. The next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to stand in the midst of it. And that's simply just to say the blood of Jesus is enough. And I want to encourage you the next time the accusation, accusation comes against you that you will plead the blood of Jesus over the accusation. So that sin comes and you just say this, Jesus, cover that with your blood. I have repent, I've confessed. Now, Lord, just cover that sin with your blood. Cover my mind with your blood. Cover my heart with your blood. Cover, Lord, I just pray the blood over those who I hurt. And I pray the blood over this conversation. And, Lord, your blood is powerful. And make this new and whole and clean by your blood. Then the third thing is you stand above it, which is simply to appeal to the truth of God, to let him fight for you. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. This is what the Word says. This is what my Father says. This is what God says about this situation here. I'm not going to stand in what the enemy says any longer and begin to start quoting the truth and living the truth and standing beyond the lies. See, here's the thing. You are not dirty. You are clean. You are not a disappointment. You are called for a greater purpose. And he brings these lies, and you've got to quit agreeing with the enemy and start standing on the truth of what God says, which is finally the last one, is just stand beyond it. Declare who I am. I am a child of God. I am no longer a slave to sin or a slave to fear. I'm not a disappointment. I am not forgotten. I am not put to the side. I did not miss what God has for my life. There's a hope, and there's a future for me, and I declare that. And so I want to have a, just a little time right now where we work on that, where we just, we, we just go through these four steps. So I'm going to ask right now, if you'll join me in this, let's just ask the Holy Spirit. If you bow your heads and just, just listen to him right now. Holy Spirit, would, would you show us, God, is there any place in my life? Just ask him right now. Say, say Holy Spirit, is there any place in my life where I am under accusation, where I'm living in guilt or shame? Would you just show me, Lord, right now? Any place at all. Okay, now let's go through these first steps. The first is stand against it. So if it's a sin that you've done, repent. Just repent. God, I'm sorry. It means I'm not going to do it anymore. Repent to him. All right, then let's do the next thing. Let's stand in the midst of it. Now just plead the blood of Jesus over it. Lord, cover this sin. Cover what I've done with your blood. Cover the situation with your blood. Now, I want you to understand that if you think that he can't forgive you, you're saying that the blood isn't enough. The blood doesn't have enough power for your sins. Come on, guys. We know that's not true. Plead the blood over it. All right, now stand above it. Holy Spirit, show us what's the truth. What does your word say? Ask him right now. Holy Spirit, what's the truth? Now stand in that truth. Then stand beyond it. Declare right now. You might even want to just whisper out, who are you in Jesus? I'm his child. Accepted. Free. Whole. Just tell him, declare it. I'm called. I am new in Christ. 
And Lord God, I thank you that every single one of these situations, they are under the blood. That we are forgiven, that we are free, that we are whole, that we are new, that we are dressed in white again. We don't stand before you ashamed, but we stand before you grateful. We stand before you victorious. And Lord, we thank you. It is by your blood that we are whole. Praise you, God. We thank you. We ask you to help us to live in it, to wear our helmet of salvation through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.